Welcome to your weekly Social Jack Influence Factory. Introducing your coaches, Dean Delisle, Kate Hassett, and Jackson Delisle. Hey, hey, hey. Where's Jackson? Jackson's almost there. There he's, he is. He's coming in. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. All right. Greetings from uh, Austin, Texas, y'all. <laughs> Kate, that was for you. I know. I'm I'm aware. Thank you. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. Well, don't forget to talk about Influence Factory and Kate. Uh, don't forget to play with Kate and her team on social media. Uh, so make sure you hashtag uh, properly. It's up there on your screen. And then at Get Social Jack is the channel. And uh, if you have questions or you want to communicate with us, uh, you want to do that through social media. That's the very best way to do that. Absolutely. So and yep. And then uh, Jackson, you're rocking uh, all the controls for us today because we're in a whole different setup. So this is a brand new setup. So you can tell us how we're doing. Um, remember to maximize your learning, turn off your cell phone, or maybe just flip it over. Uh, close your email, take some notes and tune in and you will always learn something new. And then for those of you that are uh, on with us online, I know a lot of you uh, dial in, <clears throat> but if you want to change things up a little bit and you want to... Uh, uh, actually click on the uh, phone uh, button there, you know, instead of the computer audio, it'll actually bring up a number and an access code. So um, so anyway, in terms of uh, doing that, you know, you can uh, do that through the um, uh, actual uh, app on the web, or you can go through the uh, mobile app and download that as well. So we also like to practice with the questions area. <clears throat> so as we think about the uh, questions area and the GoToWebinar taskbar, the uh, question today is, what is your favorite social media channel? So type that in. So if you could only have one, if they took the rest of them away, which one would you pick? So if you can only have one, Kate, which one would you go with? Ooh, I think mine changes weekly because I think last time you asked, I said Instagram, but I'd say today it's probably Snapchat. Really? Like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of storytelling on Snapchat. Um, if you want to call it that, I call them rants, but either way, it's fine. So, um, yeah, lately it's been Snapchat. Yeah. So everybody type that into the questions area. What is your favorite social media? Jackson, how about you? If you could only have one. Okay, you know, I didn't even think of Snapchat, but because uh, you live on it, <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's so second nature because I use it not only for you know Snapchatting like the pictures and stuff. I use it to message people also, you know, like friends mm -hmm. that are away at college, stuff like that. So I, it's either that or Twitter. I would I, I couldn't live without Twitter because it's where I get all my news. Yeah, right on. Uh, Brendan says uh, Instagram to post about his foodie adventures. Um, Hank is uh, avid with uh, LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of you are saying Facebook. Uh, some of you are saying Instagram. Uh, for me, it's uh, Twitter. So if I could only have one, it would be Twitter, which is funny because I would have done like a thousand training classes on LinkedIn, but that's just the way it goes. So yeah, got to have your primary uh, way. Hey, Shirley Miller, how you doing? Good to see you. All right, Jackson, let's get things moving. All right, cool. Remember, those of you uh, that you can log into, Jackson uh, and the team do a really good job of posting um, all of the classes on here, and we have a lot of updated classes. So make sure that um, you go in here and check. And what he'll do is when, um, you know, we have somebody on like uh, JD today, they will, uh, he will mention certain websites. And just like in the news, we're going to talk about certain articles. So those of you that want to reference those, you can go directly into the um, Influence Factory recording. And there's all the links in there and all the resources in there. So please make sure you uh, take full advantage of that. We're working on this, folks, because it's the first time we're remote driving, so bear with us. <laughs> Don't forget, you guys also get, as a membership benefits, you also get discounts to all classes. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., how to convert connections to clients. Uh, those of you that are regular members have already been added automatically. Um, and if you go to socialjackflash.com, you can register for this class and... Um, 
you know, this class as well as uh, all the other ones that are coming up. So that is what we're going to do. We've got five ways to monetize. Oh, and next week, holy smokes, a social media strategy summit. So Kate, what are you doing there? So um, I'll be teaching a workshop on Tuesday. So Tuesdays, the training, the workshop days, and then Wednesday and Thursday are the speakers. And I'll be doing an influencer marketing workshop. Really, really excited. Jackson's going to help me. And we have a bunch of people signed up already. It's going to be a great time. Yes, 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 yes. And look at that. They've uh, <clears throat> they've got my name up there, too. So I am uh, I am teaching a class on Facebook uh, streaming, Facebook Live and then video streaming and how to monetize. So that'll be my and uh, you left out the most important part is that between all of that, we are also going to be uh, broadcasting to you guys live from the event. Dang. So we're oh, going to yeah. be we're going to be pulling influencers left and right. Uh, we you might see uh, our good friend, uh, you know, Ryan Pena. Uh, yep. You might see other people on there. So tune in for uh, exciting, if you will. So, yeah, it's going to be very exciting yes. to keep you on your feet, sort of keep us on our feet, too. Yeah, because <laughs> we won't know who we're going to grab from the crowd. And we're going to get hopefully get Ellie Deutsch from McDonald's. Uh, Chris, our good friend, Chris Rudolph from American Family, Andy Crestedonia, which everybody loves. So uh, we're going to try to we're going to try to get as many. We're going to have like a lightning round of interviews coming to the coming to the booth there. So um, let's see. And then uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. And the Alliance, yeah, the summer conference. So those of you in the M&A space and uh, financial services, which we do a lot of work in, um, there is the 2018 Alliance summer conference. So we're happy to be part of that. OK, well, I think you guys have some uh, some news coming up, right? Yes, we do. All right. So what, do you, what are we going to learn about today? So today we are going to learn about uh, LinkedIn is forcing users to add hashtags to posts, and they're also rolling out a new uh, profile format. So what? I know it's crazy. So uh, the biggest thing that we have, you know, noticed was, I mean, if you if you got the update, if you have the updated profile, you've noticed that it's not only shifted everything, but it really emphasizes your cover photo. Uh, it's it's really, uh, it favors the left side. Your picture is now on the left and all your information and details about the user is going to be on the right side. They did this to mainly uh, emphasize the cover photo, but it also throws a bunch of people off because they chose their cover photos, you know, based on the center you know, having the profile picture in the center. So right. that's, a, that's a big thing that's going to, uh, you know, maybe mess up some people, maybe help some people. Right. So just be prepared, I would say. We're adjusting a heck of a lot of cover photos out there. So just be ready. Yeah. <laughs> and then they've also start, brought back clickable uh, hashtags, which they kind of ruled out for the past, you know, several years. And uh, they really took them away be mainly because they weren't really sure if it fit in the professional social uh, media platform. Uh, they didn't right. think that that was a really, you know, um, it wasn't fitting for that platform. So they weren't using them and they weren't allowing them to be clickable. So now you can add them and they're actually uh, running a test. It was confirmed by LinkedIn that they're testing on certain users that uh, they're forcing them to put like at least one of one hashtag in each post so that's uh that's a big deal too so if it's not letting you post your content without a hashtag now you know why so right. so can we take uh, 60 seconds on this we're getting a lot of people asking about what is a hashtag how do i do hashtags and yes uh, shirley says um uh, Kate and Jackson, can you make a note? We're going to do a flash class on hashtags. Awesome. Flash class, flash class, hashtags. I think that's Hashtag flash class. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Say that real fast three times. So anyway, um, best, best way to explain it in 60 seconds, because I want to get to JD here in a minute. Uh, we have one more news uh, article. So um, hashtags are, are a way for you to either 
uh, be part of a trend or create a trend. So if you think about a hashtag, like I was, um, you know, like ours, uh, if we're talking about LinkedIn, we would hashtag LinkedIn so that people, you know, want to do that. If we're hashtag personal branding, we're talking about personal branding. And it's a way for people to find um, relevant articles and relevant, uh, co you know, content. And what's nice is now you can search content again. You didn't used to be able to do that. And so we'll cover that in uh, one of our upcoming classes too. But I like it because it's a great way for us to attach ourselves to things that are trending or things that are relevant. So as you're building your personal brand, I'm sure JD and I, I will talk about this further, but that's a short thing on it there. Well, I also think LinkedIn kind of tried to set itself apart from Facebook and say, we're going to put the profile picture in the middle and we're not going to let you use hashtags. We're not. And now all of a sudden they're like, wow, there's a lot of great things that can be done using hashtags. It's actually like a really awesome way to connect to people. So yeah, okay, we're going to do that now. Right. Right on, right on. Okay. So, uh, so Kate, you got some news for us and unfortunately you have 60 seconds. So ready? Go. All right. Well, uh, we already talked about how LinkedIn is changing. We know social media changes all the time. Here's just some really big social media changes that have happened so far. And of course, if you're listening or if we can't cover it, it's going to be sent in the email. So make sure you check it out. Um, really important, though, Facebook is adding dynamic language optimization. So they're um, letting you expand your audience reach by talking to people who don't speak your language. That's pretty cool. I think that that's really interesting. Um, one of my favorite ones in this article, though, is the Instagram hashtag follow. So now you can keep up with a hashtag that you really like by following it, and you'll see different posts that come up using that hashtag. So hashtags really big on LinkedIn, on Instagram. And we've done this for a couple of our clients already, and it's helping us expand their network by following people who are talking about what they're talking about so yeah. really awesome feature if you're into instagram you should check it out and then um lastly the big one on the list is linkedin has added the linkedin groups to be yep. on your news feed so it used to be you have to go into the group and physically post and physically comment and check out things in that specific group when you thought of it now it's going to be on your news feed kind of the way facebook does just another way linkedin is kind of taking some cues from Facebook. So I think this is going to really expand LinkedIn groups and help people engage a lot more. Yeah, right on, right on, right on. So awesome a lot stuff. of big changes. So yeah, so we're going to have some flash classes coming up and, and things like that. So uh, before we bring uh, JD on here, I just want to ask that magic question. And there's a polling question coming up on your screen here, and then we'll uh, bring JD on. So are you a business influencer? Yes, no, or not sure. Now, you guys realize that we launch influencers each and every day. And so uh, we have a 90-day program, if ever interested, to help you out. But uh, some people uh, are either claiming that they're not or they're claiming that they're not sure. So uh, what we want to do is let each and every one of you know that wherever you wherever you are, in your world, business world, that you're all influencers. So, uh, so think about that in terms of uh, who you influence each and every day, and the fact that you have the opportunity to influence others every single day, and you already do. So it's what you're saying, it's what you're putting online, it's who you are, and that's what we're going to learn from uh, JD is the fact that. He has helped develop so many influencers like us. We're going to actually learn from him. And not only that, um, he's assisted on autopsies. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Uh, he is a kick-ass uh, blues rock piano player, loves baseball, just like the rest of us. We had a whole big baseball talk before this, and we're both Cubs fans. Uh, has a golden retriever named Link. He spoke on Capitol Hill uh, and uh, made a, you know, on, on the impact of social media. So uh, I remember all those things. So JD, come on in, man. Let's, uh, let's have some fun and let's uh, talk about influencer development. Hey, it looks like you're in my studio. What the heck? Howdy, social jackers and jackers. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. So uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to be, not just be on, you came all the way into the Chicago studio and you, uh, you're there. 
whoops we just right. oh there you go okay got your camera all right so cool but it's always good to see you man and you're uh you're you're one of the uh, sharpest dressers that i know so i always like the fact that you got uh, are those cubs colors that you have in your pocket they could be they could they be, could be. <laughs> a little color variation with the lighting here but uh, there you go there you go there you go it could very well be yeah, good. So uh, so you've been up to a lot of uh, stuff. So we're going to get into uh, sort of how, you know, how you got to this moment. But but for all the people that are on with us today, um, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, being a business influencer and you heard me, you know, check in with everybody or have everybody check in on where their position was for themselves. What's your what's your take on the whole influencer thing? Great poll question. I never really thought of myself in terms of an influencer or being an influencer. Uh, I, I think by now we know that if you do the platforms on a daily basis, if you're out there really walking your talk, as they say, that you have a chance at influencing people. And it's a tremendous responsibility to influence people these days. I mean, would everybody want that responsibility? No, not everybody's cut out to be an influencer. I would, I would state that I'm an influencer by accident to a certain point, only because I speak with such passion and such yes. conviction, as we all do here, uh, who have embraced social as a livelihood, that it's hard not to come off as an authority figure. The question becomes, let people make up their own mind as to the validity and universality of the content and let them deem you as an influencer. Influencer, Dean, I think is a title that ought not to be self-declared. Ah, interesting. Interesting. I like that. And you know, what's amazing is that, you know, when I first, um, you know, because you and I have done a, a lot and we had this discussion about personal branding versus professional branding. And I, I just want you to share with people your position on that, because what, what you know, like you and I have always been on the bleeding edge of this stuff, like, you know, early days of LinkedIn, I'm laughing about the things that they're doing. They're almost bringing back old stuff that we were we were angry about when they took it away in the first place, you know. A return but, to basics. A return to the classics. Yeah, return to the classics. I like that. I like that. So, um, so, so, what's your what's your perspective? You know, everybody's always working hard to to work on their uh, personal brand. Is, is it really a professional brand? What's what's the distinction there? Yeah, the distinction between personal and professional brand, and I fought it for years. I, I would see a few articles or blog pieces coming down the pike talking about a professional brand, but yet in the trade. We speak about it in terms of being a personal brand because it's of or pertaining to the person, not so much of or pertaining to the profession. So we can get lost in semantics. We can get lost in semiotics, the lexicon, the vocabulary. But we're talking about individuals leveraging themselves, uh, innovating around themselves, disrupting themselves. And that is uniquely personal. Uh, I fight it. I use it sometimes in my writing. I talk about a professional brand, but I'm not in the market for helping people find love. I'm truly in the market for <laughs> helping people find business, leveraging their professions. Do I state that it's professional branding? But again, it it's the person. It's from us. It comes from within us. And that is a person developing a persona. And and that is it's it's an individual concept. Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, take us a little bit through your journey. You know, as as we uh, talked about, it's like we both remember each other from the early days and hearing about each other. And so we had we had paths that crossed that went different directions that came back, you know, and that whole thing. But tell us a little bit about your journey of how you, you know, just came through the ranks. Well, I'm a late stage early adopter of the platforms. Uh, I found LinkedIn in 2006. And at the time that I discovered the site, very few people in my inner sanctum and business were on it. So the sell wasn't so much going out, hanging out your shingle as a LinkedIn specialist or consultant. It was just kind of having conversations with people and letting them know that you found this site. Are they on it? Are you doing anything with it? LinkedIn gave us as they still do today, the basic infrastructure for us to develop an account, build a profile. Most people would put placeholder content up there. Right. Interestingly, they never went back to change it and, sure. uh, and, and have let it kind of sit in obsolescence a little bit. But for people who kind of caught on, glommed on like us, we saw the value in this right away. And, and just the way that I'm hardwired, Dean, I loved it. I never shut up about it. I was holding little focus and experimental groups and coffee shops all over Chicago, just 
we all had our laptops up and we were asking each other questions. And my journey started really when I opened my mouth and started to, to think about how this could be used. I had a website. Uh, I wasn't doing a blog back then, but uh, I had a nice website. I, I had some good SEO position on the website back in the days when you could get good SEO position economically right. and search outside your name. Right. And I was in, a, in marketing. I was helping people writing website copy. So I looked at it as a way for me to position myself in the business world, try to draw attention to myself, entice people to visit my website, uh, and, uh, perform an inquiry on my products and services. And it just kind of came along methodically and sequentially to the point where I became a LinkedIn specialist within 30 days of creating my account. I haven't been visionary with all that much, but I really thought this was going to be great and I wanted in. Yeah. So I, in a very short period of time, I branded as a resource, a go-to resource in the area where people could ask questions about LinkedIn. JD, what is it? Can you tell me a little bit about this? I, I mean, what's the, what are the basics of this profile piece? And things began to click and things changed for me early in 2007 when I got the call. I remember being in bed with my wife. Now, wait a minute. But I remember <laughs> being in bed with my wife and I was on my laptop and a call came in and it was from a colleague who asked me how much I charge to write a LinkedIn profile. Ding! <laughs> Opportunity presents itself. You know, and that's how it happens. That's how this stuff can happen. And right. within a very short period of time, I was figuring out a business model, uh, one that today so many people have are, are around. But at the time that I was doing this, the phone wasn't ringing off the hook. Nobody was really engaging me for the work. Nobody was bringing in to, bringing me into their company to train their teams, and we weren't being asked to speak anywhere about this just yet. But I started writing a few profiles on some colleagues and charged a, a mere pittance for them compared to today's standards. But they had profiles. They had branded stories, what we would call branded stories back then, because I never created profiles along the lines of a resume or a prefab piece of content. Everything that I worked on was fresh for myself and for those who engaged me. So I really kind of evolved through my study and development on LinkedIn. I tweaked with my own profile. I showed people what I thought would work. Uh, we didn't really have best practices outlined back then. We just had a, a terms of service agreement from the founding fathers of LinkedIn. And I just went out there and talked about it and became quickly associated with how to do LinkedIn for the right reasons. Yeah, it's it's almost like uh, it's you know I call it, I have a term for it uh, called opportunistic positioning, and it's it's interesting that you know and 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 it sounds like you were drawn by curiosity too, you know, which is how I got involved in it. I was part of this Vistage group, which was a whole new world for me to to sort of do that sort of thing, and then uh, back. Um, uh, I want to say it was uh, 05, 06. Uh, it was early. And uh, and somebody said, well, there's this thing called LinkedIn. Let's just create a group there. We were looking for a collaboration space where we could do something online without, you know. And so next thing I know, we're like, yeah, let's set up a group. And like you said, you know, it's like you set up the bare minimum profile. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm doing some other stuff. I have my picture here. I'm going to put my picture up. And it was like the more I started to add, the more I became invested in updating the profile. And then on the next meeting, I'm like, hey, there might be something to this. It's not just us in here. I'm seeing other people and uh, we should probably look better than we do. <laughs> you know, so we actually had this collaborative mastermind discussion, unknowing, you know, unknowing that there was something to have a discussion about. Absolutely. And I'll take it a step further, Dean. I, I really never put placeholder content up on my own page. I, I took time to really, truly build this document out to the extent that we could back in the day. And we were talking, you were talking at the head of the broadcast about how LinkedIn is bringing back some of the features and right. functionalities that we used to enjoy. I'd like to see them go full boat and restore what they had at the beginning in terms of more compartmentalized content. And I, I wrote the story. My first summary section was truly a reflection of who I was. I, I didn't fabricate anything. I didn't embellish anything. It was many of, of the uh, 
sentences were written in second person because I knew that this was going to be a first point of reference on me, that eventually people who were interested in what I was doing would get to my website. They would find me other places on the internet, but LinkedIn early on for me, as it still is today, is a marketing and branding hub. Right. Everything people need about me to make an educated decision as to whether or not to pursue working with me or bringing me in to speak uh, or uh, allowing me to train their teams, it's up there on LinkedIn. And that became my canvas. And I brought artistry and science to it. And I went through a couple of incarnations with it and finally settled on a style that I marketed. And that's my owlish method of LinkedIn profile writing. I yeah. do it in a different way. I don't, I, I go against the grain. I've always kind of swam upstream, Dean. I mean, I'm not really the guy that uh, was going to do it in the set way because I felt that the set way isn't going to work. And as we know today in a very crowded marketplace, the, the set way doesn't work. You have to be a maverick individualist if you want influence, if you want thought leadership, if you want clients. Well, and there's so much noise out there, you know, so uh, people are just inundated. And uh, I told you about a couple of podcasts I was listening to on the plane, uh, plane right out here, and just how important building relationship and that's the core of all of our training is it's not, it's personal branding, it's storytelling, but it's with the intent, um, you know, to build a relationship with the people that are closest around you. And, you know, we've tracked this, that you don't need 10,000 connections to be successful. Maybe if you're a marketer and you want to market to a bigger audience, that's one thing. But if you just want to be successful in your career and in your in sales and generating new business, you, you based on the degrees of separation, you don't need 5,000 core connections to make that happen. What's your philosophy on sort of the connections and the routing on that? I believe that quality trumps quantity. Yes. Every time. If you've got a question pertaining to LinkedIn, you're going to find it quality over quantity. When we first started on LinkedIn back in the mid 2000s and really through the 2000s, the early part of 2010s, we were told and understood that we needed to bring in as many people into our network as possible. Right. I, because they might buy from us sometimes. <laughs> it, like it, like it was like a gold could buy from us. It was like a land grab. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, we, we did what we were expected to do. We would right. look at invitations from people. And I've always taken it on a case-by-case basis, always have been willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. But still, we would take people on into our networks. They would expand. And we'd wake up one morning, take a look at our directory of connections and go, who are these people? Right. Why did I take them on in the first place? And factor that in with the fake LinkedIn profiles that was starting to happen. Oh, and yeah. People who connected with us for the sheer purpose of trying to sell us something. There was no real relationship building. Or how about looking in your profile and going, who are these people that are talking all over my profile? Well, they're, we'd say, congratulations, they're the people you selected to talk on your profile. Well, that's true. And then through the early part of the 2010s, you had endorsements, which right. when, when LinkedIn released endorsements on September 24th, 2012, I remember the day because my inbox blew up that day. It was my birthday, too. Nobody, well, happy birthday. <laughs> Nobody knew what these endorsements were all about. Right. We knew that it was, I knew that it was LinkedIn's way of getting people talking. It was an engagement strategy, right. you know, first and foremost. But we attach so much significance to endorsements. Maybe they were thought of as a sign of gaining influence or gaining thought leadership, recording credibility as we want to do on these sites. But most people realize pretty quickly that the endorsement was a pretty empty validation and didn't have much substance behind it. But as a consequence, LinkedIn, believing that it was so important for us to endorse our our clients, colleagues, and peers, we kind of lost a little bit of the true relationship building. Or maybe it drove home the the point of true relationship building to us and that the best relationships we have, the most tightly knit networks that we can build, the most cohesive professional relationships that we can leverage are the ones who have been with us a while, the people who would take a bullet for us, li- uh, literally, not figuratively, right. or yeah. figuratively, not literally, right. and, 
and would introduce us, would refer us, would let us overlap into other aspects of, of their network. And we started to build these sub-tribes and get into other people's networks. And as our networks expanded, we kind of had this idea as to who were the true players? Who, who were we going to keep and who were we going to discard? in our networks and keep our networks pure and operate from a sense of, of truly building trusted, long-term sustainable relationships. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's the message to the world right now. It's like, you know, we do a lot of, uh, as you know, we do a lot of launching of product services, business people, that whole thing. And, 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 you know, when we're, when we're putting the brand out there, first of all, it's very expensive. If you go, Hey, this is widget Inc. And here's our logo. And we want everyone to, buy our stuff well there's there's a pathway no matter what you're putting out there to build that trust and and we still find the most economical way is well let's get your people you know let's let's humanize the brand and get the people sort of to, to up here with the brand so we're all in this together and they can see there's there's actually you know faces behind the logo what's your thought on on that well i've always focus my work on the merging of the so-called social brand and the real world manifestation of this brand. That was the subject of my TED talk right. back on April 12, 2015. And, and this is for would-be influencers, emerging influencers, established influencers, and people who are really embracing the notion of thought leadership. How you represent on an internet page today, where we tape this right now in, in on April 12th, April, where are we at? April 12, 2018. This drives decision-making in business. The internet, since it really came on the scene, has driven our decision-making machinery. Right. Now more than ever, if we're in the market for a product or service, if we're looking for a new job, it's all based on how we look online. It, we can research products, we can research services, but in the end, going back to the relationship piece, it's going to be the relationship that drives the purchase. So it's no longer about social selling. Right. Really, it's about social buying. It's about right. the buyer's journey. And if we as brands are not catering to the buyers, we're not going to be able to create the competitive advantage. We're not going to get into the psyche of the buyer. So what I've always done is, is try to build a network around meaningful conversations and how yes. I can mean meaningful conversations through this network. Not everybody's going to be a client. We realize that. Not everybody's going to be a good, trusted colleague. We realize that. But people are out there. They see you. Once you accept them into your professional network, you have the opportunity to take what they see online, move it into the real world, and let them make their decisions based on what they see. Yeah, that's that's excellent point. Um, Shirley asks a, asks a question, and it's it's uh, probably a loaded question as you peel it back. But it's like, what's the number one thing you tell your clients when they're revamping their personal brand? But you know, there's I don't think there's what there is a number. I don't know. Maybe there is a number one thing. What's your what's your gut reaction on that? Well, interesting. Interesting that so many people are doing this at once. Everybody's talking about reinvention. And, and, and revamping the brand, but our brand is already out there. Right. Not a whole lot we can do. We can re-engineer our brand. We can re-engineer what people see about us and, and, and obviously pos position ourselves for quick uptake. But I go through many, many uh, engagements with professionals who were someone, now they need to be someone else. And right. there, there's no binge branding. You can't binge like a like binge watching a TV show and say, well, JD, I, I don't have a brand. I need to develop a brand very quickly. Can you help me develop a brand? I need a brand. It's already out there. The question becomes now guiding and shaping perceptions. So we work on the perceptual framework. You have to ask yourself, how did you become you? What makes you tick? What are the core areas of the professional value that you bring and provide? And when you tie this in and actually do the deep dredging, the, the soul searching, this stuff does bubble up to the surface. And if you can capture it in a, in a very compelling manner on a LinkedIn profile, you're in the game. If you can tell the story based on the profile, you're in the game. And if the two versions of you, the one that people see online and the one they see in front of them are congruent, that's competitive advantage. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
Um, I, I want to shift a little bit here because you and I talked early on, and I, you know, ironically, I'm giving a talk about streaming next week at this conference, and you and I are streaming right now, which creates video, uh, which creates podcasts. We have a lot of people that that download from platforms I've never even heard of, like Sprinker and Stitcher and all these things. And all I know is I press the uh, podcast button on my phone, and it takes me to, I think, iTunes, and I find. I search and I find interesting podcasts, but everybody's got their own jam, you know, their own way to do it. So how has video sort of changed our world, you know, and, and, and I mean, it, it's just like bizarre, like all of a sudden everything's about video. A classic case in continuous adaptation. We are adapting to the sign of the times. Again, I haven't been visionary. I haven't been ahead of the curve with too much, but with social, I've really studied it, Dean. And I knew back even in 2006 that there was a place for video and compelling visual content on a site like the LinkedIn profile. And Facebook probably got to the video game just a little earlier. Most people that I spoke with in the late 2000s, early 2010s didn't even know that LinkedIn could host video or they didn't know embed video into the profile page but enough people wrote about it enough people were talking about it but yet not enough people were doing it so one thing that i've done is i've always believed in the power of video branding and now we're arriving at a point i truly believe where if you don't have a video within the next say one or two years you're going to be looked at and and thought of as just old hat old school or you're just or you're covering something up or hiding something not relevant maybe right this is how we are going to drive our messaging and people might not stop in their tracks and read all the great stuff you wrote about yourself but if they see a video where they know your message is encapsulated with a big launch button in front of your face and it's a minute or less i think they'll be prone to play it and I think that's become a, a driving philosophy in the, video, in, in the video branding mix is getting your message out there quick. Again, for quick uptake, making a visceral connection with the viewer, as I'm trying to do here. Yeah. Uh, and, and really adhering to guidelines in production and taste and value and not, not offending the sensibilities of the viewer, but, but really trying to produce well-scripted, well-conceived, storyboarded video that truly drives home your message. Yeah. Now, what do you think about, um, you know, I've always been a conversational writer and and a little more of the, um, you know, we've done a lot of production with green screen and graphics and you and I have, you know, talked about this. And, and you know, the, the thing is, I find it to be more uh, connecting you know, to be, to be present, to be relevant, to be connected is, is to do more casual video like this that, okay, so we have a studio there and then actually in a hotel room here, but it's like, it's like, this is what's, you know, real, you know, this is the real, what it is. And, and, you know, without putting a logo in the corner and all that stuff, what's your, what's your take on the, the balance of having that type of stuff in your news feed versus the sort of promo splash and the logo up there in the branding aspect? Yeah, great line of questioning. I, I think we're becoming a more emotionally intelligent digital society. It, yeah. I think more and more people are realizing that nobody's going to sell on this platform. We're not selling. We're selling, but we're not selling. Right. It's a question of making and establishing the, the neural connections with people first, the emotional intelligence. And people recognize emotional intelligence. Again, social buying. We're, we, we have to generate trust. This has become a cliche almost. But the hardest thing in digital work is to generate and gender trust and confidence on an Internet page. If people are looking to sell products and services on the social platforms, as everybody has been preconditioned to think is possible, what are those procedures? How do you truly win business on these sites? Well, you have to make an emotional and visceral connection. Again, stated to the point of of, of absurd cliche uh, status at this point. But think of the emotional connection. Think of how you feel when you're watching a minute-long video on someone well, you kind of have on the bubble thinking that you you may wind up going with this person as a resource. You're going to want to hear from them. You're going to want to see how he or she thinks on their feet, 
with a camera in front of them. If you can stand and deliver your message in front of a little piece of glass, as I'm doing here, or as other people are starting to, to do, then it opens up a whole new world for you. This is, right. again, continuous adaptation. We've adapted to the trends and demands of the marketplace. We have to be present on video. Again, I'll, I'll repeat, you're going to be in a non-competitive position if you don't address the challenges of producing and disseminating great, not good, great news. Right. And um, and then what about in the what about in the news feed? You know, because a lot of people are finally starting to catch on that you can literally, you know, fire up a, a personalized message and, and have a conversation in that, you know, the, the stream of consciousness of words and pictures. Now you can actually begin talking. You know, what, what do you think? Because there's like it feels like there's a different balance, of course, with Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook. And now you know, as, as LinkedIn is always a little later getting to the table with some of these things, what's your take on, on you know, sort of in the news feed, in the moment, you know, um, maybe not, maybe less scripted, but but intentional, you know, to me that feels. Consciousness, live, what we call native video. Uh, the question I think is, is it working on LinkedIn? On Facebook, we can cut people a little slack. There's some latitude there because, I find most of it unwatchable. I'm sad to say I find most of it unwatchable. And it's I don't know what goes in behind it. And if it's done for business, that's one thing. If it's done to try to communicate with your your Facebook network, that's another. Facebook Live, I think, was the, the real tipping point for this because most people wanted to let people know that they were capturing a moment here. And they wanted to be, rather than just check in at a certain place, they wanted to just turn their smartphone on, on the scene that they were viewing. But on LinkedIn, I'm not so sure. It's gotta be really, really good. I, I haven't been able to get through a lot of the videos, but I will qualify by saying I applaud the effort and I applaud people who are doing it because this is huge for them. This is overcoming in inhibitions in a major way to get themselves out there on a social platform where they're going to be seen heard, judged, and hopefully followed up with. And yeah. we do it to keep in touch with our network, the whole top of mind strategy. But again, good, solid, well-produced video, well-conceived. If you're good at improvising, I've, I've had a couple of years of Second City. I've never had a problem in front of a lens, but right. it still has to be good content. There still has to be a reason. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, so what's your, uh, just again, switching a little bit, but what's, you know, so now Microsoft has, you know, ownership of LinkedIn. Um, have you seen an impact because of that relationship or do you feel like they're leaving it alone or, or what are you seeing just with that whole purchase? I, I believe that that sent a lot of LinkedIn users into a state of angst, deep rooted <laughs> angst because it's Microsoft, man. This is the major yeah. league. Not that LinkedIn wasn't, but but now you've got this infiltration of of new features and functions. LinkedIn is a Microsoft property. A Microsoft LinkedIn amalgam is a whole lot different than the way LinkedIn was before. And ideally, the goal is to make this great for the average user. Right. I think what a lot of people felt is in in haste, LinkedIn took away many of the of the great benefits that users enjoyed for free for so many years. But you can't blame Microsoft slash LinkedIn for doing that because they are a business behemoth out there. They are, yeah. they are trying to make money, as much money as possible. That is their revenue model. Uh, they can't do it on advertising alone. They have to do it on their proprietary solutions, which they market very aggressively. But for the average user, it's forced a lot of people to rethink their positioning on LinkedIn. Do they pay? Is there value in the paid program? Now, again, adaptation toward new thinking. If it's not going to be LinkedIn, can I achieve a similar effect on other media? So people have been going outside of LinkedIn. They've looked at Facebook more closely. And in light of the of the Facebook fiasco, the, the Zuckerberg testifying on right. uh, in Washington, D.C., which we're only slightly removed from, but still there's going to be a trickle-down effect huge trickle-down oh, yeah. effect for years to come on this. It gets to the core of 
how we warehouse our sensitive information on these sites, uh, are our likes, our comments, our shares, our inclinations out there for public consumption? Uh, are we being mentally manipulated by these sites? Have we lost trust, et cetera? So Microsoft, which obviously a very stable, a very liquid, a very uh, financially driven company, bought LinkedIn with the premise of making it better. Have they done so? I don't know. Uh, it, it seems to be regressing a little bit, but it seems to also be turning the corner and they're moving us now toward where it used to be. Uh, I, I think sometimes the best innovation is no innovation at all. Yeah, the, um, uh, you know, as as things change, so like if you could bring a feature back, what would you see, you know, if you're on the line with LinkedIn, what would you go, you guys have to bring this back. What would you tell them to bring back? Events. <laughs> I was waiting for that. You and I come from the event business. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. It right. was a sad day in my household when LinkedIn uh, squared that feature. I know. I, I, I didn't think I could go on, truthfully. I, I thought not, not only for my own education, but with influence, with thought leadership development, yeah. with this movement toward personal brand storytelling comes events. We have seen live events return with a vengeance. And more people know about it, the more people can touch it on a site like LinkedIn, it's only going to help people. I know. I don't know what they were thinking. And it looks like they're trying to unscrew up what they did with groups now, too, because when they privatized groups a couple of years ago, it's like, what? We had people running these amazing groups, you know, and it was a great way for us as networkers to go into places and really find conversations and people. And then it was like, yeah. oh, you know what? You know, everybody just, you know, stay in your corner. <laughs> Interesting psychology about the groups, if I may. Um, and that is that as LinkedIn advisors, when we were starting and building our practices, we would advise our clients to join as many groups as possible because we knew that it shrunk your universe, would put you in proximity to more decision makers and like-minded people. But people would sign up for the groups. And back in the day, you'll recall that you could only join 50. Uh, their subgroups not in included, but you could join 50 groups. So it behooved people to join, obviously, the groups in their industry, the groups where their prospects might be, uh, the groups in which their hobbies and interests lay, but also just large groups, huge groups of people, huge online communities of their own, and just follow it and be a part of it. But what they would do is they signed up for these groups is self-sabotage and not sign up for the daily or weekly digests. Right. So they had no idea what was being communicated in those groups. Again, if you're going to leverage the groups and not, it's certainly not a fault of LinkedIn. LinkedIn was doing a great job of putting these groups in front of us. They were on the homepage, uh, homepage. glad to see they're bringing it back as well. The more we know about what's happening in the groups, the more we can contribute to a discussion, not a shameless piece of self-promotion, but a discussion where we're really answering questions and advancing a topic forward. And that's how we connect. Again. Focus right. on relationships, continuous adaptation toward developing a tightly knit, cohesive community. This can be best accomplished through the groups. I'm truly glad that Microsoft slash LinkedIn has rediscovered the value of the groups and will put them in front of us with greater frequency. Yeah, there's only about four million out there for them to pay attention to. So, um, you know, there were nights back in the day, Dean, when I would just play on the groups all night. I know. I didn't it was, do anything was, with my profile. I just I was on the groups all night. It was, it was part of our 20 minute a day program that we would give people and go, this is one of the places you need to be. And then all of a sudden they mess that up. So it's like, well, so they're, they're the undoing it. Yeah, for love sure. To see, love to see them come back strong. Time always flies when we're together and we're getting ready to wrap up here. But I want you to uh, you have some cool new things coming on. You're in this sort of adaptation mode and, and sort of in a cool new thing. Can you talk about the new project you're working on or, you know, well, of course I can. OK, just want to make sure I need to do so. Um, yeah. You know, again, when when I've looked at the market the last several years and. And, and I'm, I'm so comfortable sitting here talking to you because you're a guy who's been there and has deep thought this the way I have for over a decade as we sit here and tape this. We have seen so many people streaming into the social media profession. It's a profession. It's a discipline. It's a field of study. But right. back in the day, it wasn't even a cottage industry. 
nobody was talking about helping people leverage or monetize or extract value from. We were talking about what is this? Let's figure it out. How can we create opportunities? How can we drive this for the greater good? We're still doing that, but now it is business. It's a free-for-all. It's a lawless society seemingless out there. So as I've watched more and more people infiltrate into my space, I've truly had to take pages from my own strategic differentiation playbook and move myself in different but yet related directions. I'm fascinated by new media. I'm leveraging a wealth of media training in my own life, radio, television, performance art, into the production of a new media property called The Big Banter with J.D. Gershbein, uh, which consists of a, uh, a TV show or a review that will be live streamed, a podcast, a thought leadership video interview series, and live events. Uh, and of course, great networking built in because yes. again, all about <laughs> and creating a community through this edutainment platform. So nowadays, as a, as a kind of a crowning jewel of my own personal adaptation, I'm self-identifying as a professional edutainer. I might not appear here as one, but I am an incredibly funny guy. <laughs> and, Amen, um, brother. <laughs> I'm working on those skills. I'm back at Second City. Oh, you're back. Okay, good. I'm back at Second City, and I'm I'm moving toward the creation of an ensemble cast that will help teach the principles of good social citizenship and giving us the ability to laugh as we learn, laugh at, at ourselves. We taped our first show of the Big Banter with J.D. Gershbein at the Hard Rock Cafe Chicago back on Thursday, October yes, 26th. Some of our folks were there. They were just commenting about that. So we, we had 250 people through the door. They had no idea what was on the other side of that door, but they came. And it was a truthfully wonderful experience. Uh, I mean, it was an honor. It was a delight that people would take time out of their busy schedules and, and watch a show. They saw an, an actual production of a show, like with cameras moved into position for stage capture. We had a four camera shoot, a true Hollywood production. And we have a proof of concept. Right. So my goal now is uh, to get this medium to the people and create something that's a diversion, yet not a distraction. Allowing us to, again, laugh while we learn, to be able to create a sense of community within a community and move our goals forward. I want my platform to truly merge with the platforms of others as you do here yeah. with, with so many thought leaders and influencers. This is now the new networking, sharing platforms. And I'm so grateful for you having me on. I'm looking forward to returning the favor once mine moves out of development and into reality, which I'm inching ever closer to that. But <laughs> But I think this is what you're going to see. I think you're going to see yeah. people who are elevating, who, are, who do have something to offer, who bring high emotional intelligence, who are truly interested in, in educating others and enlightening others and empowering others, working together, collaborating, collaborating. Yes. One of the best words ever, right? Ever. ever. And that's what I'm doing. That's my goal with this platform. That's awesome. One, so uh, people are asking, when's the next uh, big banter show? Are they, you know, there's people that want to go now. So I know they do. I feel their pain. <laughs> I know the pressure's on. It's terrible when you like you have, you know, it's like for us, people are like, you know, when's your next workshop? And we're doing, we're, we're getting invited and getting hired for so many outside things. It's like, we're getting to it. We're getting to it. You know, so it's like. Well, I'll tell you something. It's a creative, uh, creative venture. Unlike any I've ever assumed, it's a very ambitious project. I'm interviewing creatives. I've met some incredibly talented, funny, and delightful people. We're going to bring sketch and improv comedy to it. We're going to bring music, um, multimedia. We're going to give sponsors the opportunity to sponsor us and ideally grow this thing into something where we have that every month, whether we're doing them monthly or weekly. A lot goes into this. There's a lot of moving parts to doing a show like this as I'm, I'm learning. But, you know, I wake up every day and it is still a side hustle. But slowly but surely, Dean, that side hustle is becoming the day job. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, and you know, you know, with uh, uh, Jackson and Parker and all those guys that you have at our place, there you have practice for improv because they all came out of improv and still still do some of that. So, and 
have done improv Olympics and I think second city. So, you know, you can always practice with our, with our crew. We're a good warm up crew for you. So. Well, I, I would never walk away from a good yes and experience. Yeah, that's, uh, that's improvised. Awesome. I don't know what I mean by that. Yeah, right on. <laughs> All right. So uh, as we wrap up here, a couple quick things. Uh, there's some questions that we didn't get to just because we run out of time. Uh, they extended my room for uh, an hour. So thank you to uh, Embassy Suites. There's a little a cheap plug for them. Um, but we always pick a winner that engages with us on our platform. Uh, so we always like to, you know, promote engagement because we feel like that's the success to uh, to all this. Um, so uh, I have a quick polling question I'm going to throw up for everybody. Um, let's go here. I want to grow my influence. And here's some ways that I can pick to do that. So while you guys are selecting that. Um, Jackson is uh, picking the magic winner. And then JD, if people want to uh, stay tuned in and, and learn more about what you're doing, is it best to follow you on social media? Can they subscribe somewhere? What's the best way for them to, uh, to really, you know, get plugged in, if you will, or tuned in? You know, Dean, it shouldn't surprise anybody, let alone <laughs> yourself, that I have a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> as a nice research piece they can learn a little bit more about me there i encourage them to connect with me but they must send me a personalized invitation to connect Got these it. days with all we're hearing about relationships and relationship development personalizing the invitation if you want to influence people it's got to start at the point of contact it truly right. does the point of invitation on linkedin and I, I love connecting with people. I'm one of those guys that keeps the plate spinning and the messages back and forth. I, I never, I seldom drop the ball or let the plate stop, drop and crash. I, I really am very proactive about bringing meaningful conversations that are fathomed online into the real world. Happy to talk with people there. My company is Owlish Communications. I know you're providing the link on, on the show notes page. Yep. They can also learn about my creative venture at uh, www thebigbanter.com. And hey, if you've got talent, I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> right on, right on. If and you can uh, play an instrument, if you can string two sentences together, if you can, if you can do sketch comedy. Right. Uh, I can, I can walk on my hands as long as somebody's holding my feet. There you go. go. Yeah, there you go. So it's very good. Uh, so, um, so with that, so we always ask people to type in what's one takeaway that they're going to put into action right now. So we want that sort of, what is that next thing that you learned that you're going to put into action? So Kate, we covered a lot. What did you hear? What are you uh, putting into action? You're uh, muted. There you go. It's not something I've learned because I've heard it before, but something I need to do is to weed out bad connections on LinkedIn because I added everyone who's ever added me. And now that I've changed careers a couple of times, it's like some of these people don't really make sense to be in my network. Right on, right on. Jackson, how about you? Uh, same thing. You know, I meet so many different people, uh, you know, just, you know, traveling to different things and uh, as well as, you know, people I've like I'm connected to old teachers, but they're like chemistry teachers. And I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but that's I'm not really in that line of work. So, <laughs> no, well, we're, in the, I mean, we're in the relationship business, which has to do with building chemistry. But that's a whole site. Yeah, it's so. different. It was. But yeah, nice conversational bridge there, Dean. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot of people are typing in that they're going to they're going to look at their LinkedIn profile differently. Now they're going to look at their profile, their personal brand. They're going to pay attention. Some people are going to jump on hashtags. Unfortunately, you have no choice because LinkedIn is going to prompt you for hashtags. Um, and then uh, and then they loved it. Everybody loved the show, uh, J.D. They can't wait to see your next big banter as we can't. So uh, that's a cool thing. Oh, and Hank's gonna can I say one thing in closing. Yes. In terms of takeaway, what I would hope that viewers got and, and to all the viewers out there who have watched this live, thank you for spending your lunch hour with me. Or if yes. you're in Australia, thank you for spending your late night with me, whatever the case may be. But be receptive to change. Yes. Thank you. Rebranding, revamping a profile, repositioning, pivoting. All of this kind of means that you're not the person you were two hours ago or two right. weeks ago or two years ago. 
the, the LinkedIn profile, the beauty of the profile, more than any other document in all of social media, allows you to pace your change with what's happening in the real world. You can document what you're thinking, what you're doing. You don't have to make a big announcement to the rest of the world. You just have to kind of update it in real time and let people know what you're up to. Start talking about yourself in a different way when you go to networking events. Start telling your brand story. Start walking your own talk. Start living your own brand promise in front of people and they will get you. This is how influence develops. This is how thought leadership is expressed and, and perpetuated. And the work I do now with people kind of helps them in a very broad, but yet in a very focused way, tell that story. I wish all of you out there great storytelling. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, JD, for spending time with us. Jackson, who's our uh, engagement winner today? Our engagement winner for today is Hank Conrad. Hank Conrad? Well, holy smokes, Hank. I hope you come downtown and take JD and I out for a cup of coffee. So uh, so what they uh, what they do with this, JD, is we send them a Starbucks gift card, but we ask them to take something that they learn from our show or our program and use that to to teach and engage with people at a cup of coffee, you know, to have really build that relationship with them. So and what it does is wire in the fact that, um, you know, that that engagement promotes relationship. And, and sort of takes them to that next level. So sure uh, giving them a coffee mug. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so there you go, right on. All right, well, everybody, we're, we're one minute over, so thank you for hanging in there with us. And uh, we appreciate all of you, as, as JD said, and so we look forward to having you download uh, the podcast, uh, this episode and other episodes, and then join us uh, next Wednesday. And if you're around tomorrow and registered, uh, we will see you on the Flash class. So with that being said, uh, from Austin and Chicago, uh, we will see you all online, building your personal brand and looking spectacular. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye, y'all.